Hi, I'm Jess Binneth, and this is the AudioCraft Podcast, a series of recordings from our 2017 conference. This session is Let's Get Digital, and it tackles that big question, how do you get more ears on your podcast? In 2017, Nova and Acast teamed up, and in this session, Nova's head of podcasting, Jay Walkerton, and Acast director of content, Caitlin Thompson, share some tips on how to develop a digital strategy that will muscle up your fan base, expand your reach, and commercialize your podcast. So Acast is an end-to-end podcasting platform. I heard in the last session there was some discussion about what's a platform, what's a network. Um, We're a publisher who distributes content anywhere that people want to listen to it, and we commercialize it. Again, commercialization, however you feel about it right now, you'll probably feel a little bit different, hopefully, by the end of the session. It's neither a good nor a bad thing. I would argue it's an inevitability if you want podcasting to live. I've been doing podcasting since 2005, And I'll talk a little bit about that in my bio, but essentially it died one death already, which I'll talk about and I'll talk about why. And so we're here to help make sure basically that doesn't happen again. Um, I've been working radio for about 20 years um, through a bunch of different areas. Uh, Right now I'm uh, heading up podcast operations or podcasting for our group, uh, Nova Entertainment. Um, And I've done about 20 years of of radio uh, both here and in the UK. So my experience really is from a content perspective. And today we'll talk a little bit about uh, what what the similarities are, if you like, between uh, podcasting and radio, and, and we believe there are some um, some significant ones. So hopefully we've, we've got five things today that you will walk away with, something tangible. We were going to give everyone a car, but instead we thought we'd just give you five things that hopefully um, you'll be able to walk away with and, and use in, in, in your own sphere and space. So we're going to talk a little bit about developing content we're going to talk about uh, developing your digital strategy and, and we feel that's really, really important if, uh, if you want to be a successful uh, podcaster, expanding your reach, commercialising your product and, and we wanted to touch on, on your IP and what that means because we got some feedback uh, early in the piece that, that there was some, some nervousness around IP and, and what that looked like, especially with, with our PodQuest uh, situation. We've just launched uh, recently... Uh, we launched a competition uh, in March of uh, this year uh, called PodQuest, which we have the winner here of PodQuest uh, today who will get up and, and say a few words later. But we wanted to talk about that in particular around uh, an IP. So I guess firstly I wanted to talk about um, podcast versus radio and I just want to touch on this quickly because uh, as you would understand, radio, whether you listen to us or any other radio station, is all about content. It starts and ends there. So for us, it's about talented people telling interesting stories that connect. And um, as we have explored the world of podcasting in a very short space of time in our business, um, we found that the ones that really are working are the ones that have that gravitas around story, interesting people, and connection. So um, we thought about the, uh, the the connection between radio and podcasting around audience size. We have significant audience across our shows with like Kate Timamati and, and some of our breakfast shows across the country uh, and why they're so big and why people listen to them is because they build a fan base, they build a passionate fan base and that fa- passionate fan base will do whatever it takes to listen to that show uh, for however long and we think there's some similarities there between uh, podcasting and radio. If we look at the difference between podcast and radio, we, we've always found that that uh, in on radio um, we use the first couple. We we can talk for six or seven minutes at a talk break, and in podcasting you really want that first 
five minutes to hook people in instead of save, saving the best for later. And what that means, I guess, is that in our radio shows, eight o'clock in the morning is the big time. So you leave all your good content for eight o'clock. In the world of podcasting, you really want to grab people straight away. And so the difference and the similarity there for us was was really, really important as we started to build. Obviously, longer form in podcasting as opposed to radio. Radio is very short, snappy bits uh, in podcasting. Um, traditionally has been 20 or 30 minutes. We will talk today about what that could look like now and whether that format of 20 to 30 to 40 minute podcast is is the future or maybe there's some other alternatives. Obviously, broadcast quality on radio is really important. We spend a lot of money on studios and, and et cetera. Um, but uh, the story uh, is probably more important in podcasting as opposed to the audio quality. And, and obviously the big one, the on-demand content. Uh, you get what you want when you want it. Uh, you can get it now. You can get it lying in bed, uh, you can, which most of us do uh, late at night. You can get it on the drive in. You can get it on the drive home. You can get it in a lunch break. Uh, whereas radio, you listen in at, at a particular time. So that's, I guess, the similarities and the difference uh, between radio and podcasting. I thought it was important to mention because as we at Nova Entertainment got into this space, we had to think about that. Uh, we're not just a radio company that wanted to la- launch into uh, putting some of our podcasts in the podcasting space. We actually wanted to build content out from our learnings in radio. So I mentioned in brief at the beginning that podcasting died out once before, and it's true. Um, like I said, I started podcasting at the Washington Post in 2005. We had three different shows. One of them included someone literally reading, we called it A1, the first story on the A page, where it was boring, but it was utilitarian, and it got an incredibly huge amount of listeners. Um, we also did a, a chat show, uh, two microphones, two people talking. What's different this time? Why is it not going to die out? Um, I'll tell you why, because there's actual commercialization and commerce. And if you're not comfortable with the idea of advertising, bringing you podcasts, and you don't need to be, you can think about having people directly donate to your show or uh, doing shows for branded content, all of which we'll speak to. But the idea that there wasn't a large scale way to capture listeners, discovery was broken. Nobody could find podcasts unless they were in a tiny, tiny space on iTunes. Um, And there was not a diversity of content. Um, most shows were basically similar to radio programming, and the, which reflected what Jay just said. Um, but essentially, we had no reliability of data and tech. So even if you knew that your show was pretty popular because of the amount of response you got, there was no way to turn around and take it to an advertiser and say, hey, I actually have a huge reach because they wouldn't believe the numbers that you had. So it died out. Uh, it became less cool for multimedia producers to make radio um, or podcasts, and they went into video, uh, which mirrored my own career. Then I got to WNYC, Serial, iTunes being native on the iPhone, and uh, a number of factors like advertisers finally getting excited about spending money in the space primed it for what it is now. And I've been in Australia for about three days, but I can tell you that you guys are about six months away from an incredibly huge explosion that you're not ready for. Um, but you can be ready for it, and that's why we're having this conversation. What I mean by that is format, diversity of content, and comfort with commerce. And again, that's why we're hitting those points so hard, because I think it's it's going to happen whether you like it or not. And I see a lot of really brilliant creators in the space, and I want to get you ready, basically, to make your stuff uh, succeed and sale. Basically, where I think podcasting is headed, and this is what the next six months has in store for all of you guys, so get ready. Short form, Jay just talked about long form. 
Short form is something that's exploding in the US right now. We have our biggest show, it's called Pulse of the Planet. It's maybe a show you've never heard of. It's not twee, it's not public radio. It doesn't sound like art. It sounds like a different thing every single day and it's a daily show. It's usually under five minutes. It's enormous. It's a show that features on one day the sound of bells ringing from a church in Brazil and the next day a crowded market in Shinjuku, right? It's just literally sounds from around the planet. It's a podcast. Does it sound like a podcast that you've heard before? Probably not. We're working on a show with Vice that's a one-minute-long news breakfast show, I guess you'd call it. It doesn't sound like a show that I've ever heard before, but it's going to fill a niche that people want when they put their headphones in to start walking to the subway because it starts their day off in a way that uh, you know gets them prepared for with a, a newsy bite. Um, we're thinking about day parting and we're thinking about formats. We're thinking about the idea that what you want to listen to in the morning, like I just talked about with a news show might be different from something whimsical that you want to take a break with at lunch, something that you might want to download, uh, late in, late at night in bed when you want something a little bit more sort of languorous and storytelling and narrative. All of these are valid. All of these are podcasts, whether or not you recognize them as those, um, maybe it's something that's reading your child, uh, a book to sleep. Maybe it's an accompaniment from a new Her Haruki Murakami novel. That's a three part series. That's meant to be an audio accompaniment. This is the world that we see as the future of podcasting. And you'll notice that I'm not talking about two people with microphones, but we do like two people with microphones. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll also make sure that we include that. I have one. It's about tennis. Um, so that's very successful. So it's yes, it's relatively successful. Um, but all of this is to say the future of podcasting sounds a lot different than what it looks like right now. And it's incredibly exciting. And what it means to me is that where radio has held audio back with a clock with time limitations, with a break needed to be taken every so often, and frankly with uh, usually pretty mediocre white men making all the decisions at the top about what can and can't be successful, data shows that... It's she not wasn't talking about me, I'm not sure. About no, no, definitely not. No, although a white man, Jay, is not mediocre. Um, <laughs> so think so about that was. too. Think about who the emerging audience is and how you can connect with them because who has been underserved traditionally is going to be your most ferocious fan if you speak to them and you make them feel represented. So we're going to get into the nitty-gritty here and uh, we, we're going to cap, uh, capture some of the things that uh, we talked about at the start on those top five points. And, and the first one we wanted to talk about was, was content development because um, this is the interesting one. So uh, uh, Caitlin just mentioned um, interviews and we do like interview podcasts, but we've just uh, completed um, our first PodQuest series, which was essentially X Factor for podcasters where you could, you may or may not have heard about this. We'll talk about it later, how you get, could get involved. But, but it was asking people that podcasters, whether you'd done one before or you had a, an idea that you wanted to build one to come forward and, and give us your ideas and then hopefully you could win uh, some cash and also the opportunity to have your series made um so what we got out of that is we got some really good content but but i can tell you about 90 percent of it was john interviewing mary about something cool and everybody does that so so format and style i guess is probably an idea is is one of the core things think about where ideas sits how's it going to stand out how it's going to be different um we've talked about um how you know you've got a good podcast and and this is a difficult one because if you're starting out, you're essentially asking friends and family and, and, and maybe people you work or study with. Uh, and so you need to have some belief there. But, but I think it starts with that authenticity. It starts with you knowing uh, your stuff 
uh, and then being genuinely authentic in how you deliver that. For me and for us, that that's it's a it's been one of the standouts in in our PodQuest series that we've uh, we've just completed the first uh, version of. Um, breaking new ground and new formats. You might want to talk a bit yeah. about this. I know you just did, but short format um, content. The length should speak to uh, how urgent every minute is and not a minute more. I meet a lot of people who have hour and a half long podcasts and I say, what are you doing in 90 minutes that you can do in 30 minutes? Not to say the nine minute podcast isn't necessarily essential, but I think if you are some, if you're noodling on an idea, um, you should and can, and you would be remiss if you didn't take a look and a listen at what else is in the space. And for me, I have a tennis podcast. I can tell you that it's very different from the 10 other tennis podcasts and how and why. And maybe that's a distinction that only people who are into tennis podcasts, and I can tell you there's not that many people who are into tennis podcasts, but they can hear the difference. There's one that's for people who want to follow the tour week in and week out. It's news. There's one for people who want to sort of examine a pretend world in which tennis becomes like Rocky IV, uh, Ivan Drago versus Rocky Sylvester Stallone, which is basically what my podcast is. But the idea is <laughs> the tone and the sort of tour guides that the hosts can play on behalf of the audience are very, very different. I heard Megan in the last session, where's Megan? Hi, Megan. Um, talk about how a lot of people, uh, you know, want to make a show like Invisibilia. Well, not only does it actually cost more than Megan thought, it's more than $700,000 uh, a year. Uh, and not only does it take more people than she said, which is three, but really like a staff of 10. I used to work with the radio lab team, millions of dollars and 20 people. Um, but that show exists. Are you going to make the same show? Do you have millions of dollars in 10 people? Maybe not, but you have a slice of an idea, something that is going to sit uh, alongside a lot of other similarly themed content. So how's yours going to be different? Format is a really good way that actually Jay and I will talk a lot about um, in addition to authenticity. Yeah, it was uh, was interesting. Well, in, as part of PodQuest, we actually had a couple that weren't successful. Hopefully, they're not in the room. Otherwise, it's going to be really embarrassing. But uh, there were there were two that we found really interesting. But the hosts weren't very good. But but the quality and and the idea was amazing. Um, one was a nurse riding a bike, and while he was riding the bike, he gave you uh, suggestions on ailments and how to fix them. Um, what he forgot was while riding the bike, the wind was in his face, so you couldn't hear anything. But but it was a good idea. Yeah. Uh, and the other one was uh, essentially AI talking to each other. So it was Siri talking to the new Amazon player. And, and so the whole podcast was that. So really interesting idea, but, but just had nailed it. Like he, he'd nailed one part of the concept, mm -hmm. but not the full concept. So, so I think that for us, that they were very interesting podcasts, but uh, they didn't make our finalists or did they make our winner? But it was thinking about a different place, thinking about a different style of podcast that was unique that, right. that we'd not heard yet. Um, Authenticity, um, the, the hardest part of being authentic is actually doing it because you hear so many other podcasts mm -hmm. um, and you hear S-Town or Porno or any of those type podcasts that are, that are highly successful and you go, well, okay, well, how, 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 do I, how do I build one like that? Right. And it is about being authentic, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, for me, I would never host a podcast about nursing <laughs> but I host a podcast about tennis because it's the only subject about which I can talk extemporaneously in any situation in any uh, with confidence, yep. right? And so I think, yeah, absolutely. And I, to your point, Jay, yes, we want to hear you know a microphone correctly positioned in from in front of someone's mouth, but really, people will forgive a whole lot. The first show that I signed in the U.S. when we were first launching Acast two years ago was a show called Call Your Girlfriend. Great show. 
lots of chemistry between the hosts. They talk about stuff that's incredible. Talk about underrepresented, like two feisty women who would never be given a show at WNYC where I worked before because I tried to give them a show when I worked at WNYC. Um, and their show sounded like shit because they had bad microphones. They didn't really know what they were doing with editing and it's gotten better, but it didn't matter because the chemistry and the type of conversation they were having was so different and so fresh. So people will forgive you a lot of different things. So you don't necessarily have to go out and buy pro tools and the fanciest microphone. Sure. That stuff helps, but having an authentic idea that you can talk from a place of absolute sincerity, um, and expertise and passion, that is what somebody's going to hear. Not necessarily some static on your microphone. Understanding what your idea is, is, is really important. And, uh, we've talked a little bit about this uh, earlier, but, but it's not just about, um, doing a podcast per week, um, for a 10 part series. Cause that's obviously what some of them look like. I think S town was seven, uh, seven episodes, mm -hmm. uh, in, in this series. Uh, but, but is it a three part series? Are you doing a one-off podcast? Uh, because that's the story. Right. Um, or are you doing a, uh, a daily or an hourly podcast? Um, think about, um, what your idea is and how that's going to uh, develop because that makes it easier when you're then trying to tell that story to, uh, to either commercialize your podcast or try and, uh, and grow an audience. Right. Uh, the big oh, wait, three. The big three. Yeah. Okay, so this is something that I want everyone to think about, um, and we've touched on it a little bit before. In my view, and working with a lot of people, going through a lot of pilots, uh, having done a lot of piloting process, uh, I can tell you that there are three sort of tent poles. They're really obvious, but you need two of them. And if you don't, you're effed. So here's what you need. You need an incredibly interesting topic. You need an incredibly compelling host or hosts. Or... And or you need an incredibly fantastic format. And the reason we keep coming back to format is I think it's the least considered, but in a lot of ways, the most important. So I'll give you an example. A show that is, um, has almost no host, so it didn't, doesn't matter who hosts the show. Anybody could host it. Someone very brilliant does. His name is Rishi Kesh Herway, and in the show is called Song Exploder. But it's the perfect podcast, and I'll tell you why. It has no host. It doesn't matter what the song that he is exploding each week. And to catch you up, it is a 14-minute deconstruction of a song where you hear from the people who created it. Maybe they're the songwriters, maybe they're the producers. Um, the song name is stated at the front. You hear slowly the elements of the song coming together. And then at the end, in this perfect tension-breaking moment, you hear the song with new ears. Whether it's a song you've heard many, many, many times before or it's something that's new to you, you understand all of a sudden the ingredients that went into it from the creators who made the creative decisions to make it. 14 minutes, perfect tension building, and then this beautiful release that allows you to hear what they've made. Now again, 14 minutes, no host, um, the perfect structure. Again, I have a show about tennis and it's hosted by me. If you like me and you like tennis, you're going to like my show. There's almost no format. You need two out of the three. And if you don't have two out of the three, um, get two out of the three. Otherwise, it's not going to work. So uh, I think what we wanted to talk about here was the commercial potential of podcasting. And, and, and please don't be afraid of that because uh, this is an opportunity for, for that to come out of uh, wherever you're building an audience currently and actually talk to a wider audience. Right. Um, so um, we just want to quickly talk about what the models look like because you, you may or may not be aware of what the, what some of the advertising models look like and how companies like ours uh, and Acast and other companies are, are selling podcasts now and what they look like. So I guess the first thing that we want to talk about was advertising. 
Uh, and, and they can be, and Caitlin, you could talk about this, but pre-roll, mid-roll or, or post-roll. And, and they are essentially 20, 30-second ads that can be made specifically for your podcast or they could be a 30-second ad that's already been produced and they are inserted dynamically. And what that means is um, they, they are placed in your podcast without you having to do anything um, uh, dynamically. So uh, it's the opportunity for us to, to on-sell our podcast to, to an advertiser. Right. I heard something that Mario, I believe his name was, this morning said about um, the way that certain advertisers wouldn't go near a small show. With dynamic ad insertion, you can package up a ton of tiny, tiny shows together and all of a sudden sell them to an advertiser. I say this neutrally. It's neither good nor bad. It just is. If you're a small show, like uh, the way I would think I would sort of talk about a dynamic ad insertion platform of which Acast is one, Wooshka is another. Uh, Rob, hi. I'm right about that, correct? Yeah. Um, uh, Megaphone, which is Panoply's uh, platform, all work basically the way that YouTube does. You put your piece of content up, the platform sells on your behalf the viewers the eyeballs that go with it in our case the ear balls that go with it um and it becomes commercialized in some cases that's tailored to your show in some cases it's not if you are a bigger show you are more likely to get sponsorship jay talk about sponsorship yeah so uh really interestingly uh, you've you've heard it probably in a bunch of the big podcasts around the world where where blue apron or, or any one of those brands uh, sponsors the show the host reads the sponsor credit and that sits at the top of the show and probably somewhere in the middle as well uh, and uh, yeah you're reading essentially a sponsor live read or a credit or a, a message whatever you want to call it uh, and that obviously for the bigger shows uh, works well we've actually just undertaken a model with one of our shows that's actually both uh, we have a sponsor message but we're also able to insert um, commercial messages around that outside of the sponsor message with brands that fit. So we've got a show, a sports show called Left Right Out, uh, which is sponsored by Ladbrokes, which is a betting company. Uh, and obviously that show is around um, sport. And so other brands are interested in selling inside that because there's an audience there. So they go, well, how do, how do we get involved in that? And obviously they can, they can buy ads. So just be, you, you don't have to have one or the other. You could actually have both depending on 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 uh, on what the what the podcast is. The only thing I would tell you is don't bake in your ads, and the reason I'd tell you that is because you're going to have to edit them out at some point. Um, you can have any sort of ads served dynamically, and I'm you know obviously work for a platform that does dynamic ad insertion. But having worked and been friends with the serial team who had to go back and edit out Mailchimp ads for hours and hours and hours, uh, what I can tell you is there's almost no benefit in selling your show. Um, with a baked in ad because that ad will sit with your show forever after long after you've cashed the check from the advertiser and you don't make any new money for the people two years down the road who discover your show, right? Great. Uh, grants. I want to mention grants only because when we talked about the different kinds of show there could be, a show that's a one-off hour-long show, uh, probably not going to get, unless it's an incredibly innovative idea with a connection to a story a brand is trying to tell, and we can talk about that next. Um, this could be a great idea to do a grant. Uh, a good friend of mine is a woman named Caitlin Prest. She hosts The Heart. She wants to do a one-off hour fiction. That's something that an advertiser would be a little nervous about because they want to know how many people is this going to reach? What's the idea exactly? How much control will we have over the message? And the answer is none. In that case, maybe a grant is a good idea. Great. Uh, branded content is one that uh, we're playing with at the moment, and I know most companies are, but uh, we, we've just created a podcast with an IVF clinic called Jenea, 
Um, and that, that podcast is about the story of from uh, as you start trying to have a child with IVF and the journeys. And the stories are actually the podcast. There is no real hosts, if you like. The producers host it and they're talking to people on their stories and how they're operating. So uh, really interesting way. Well, the way that happens is we don't actually have a sponsor message in there. Um, we use Janaea doctors inside the podcast. We use Janaea staff to talk about their product and, and subtly um, – uh, are able to mention the brand inside that. So uh, branded po- uh, podcasts or branded content podcasts are, are really interesting. And then, of course, you've got content competitions like PodQuest, which we're going to move on to shortly. What you are doing as a content creator doesn't end with mixing the perfect episode or coming up with the perfect title or the perfect cover art. Um, you're a one-stop shop uh, of making this thing, but also marketing it, creating a community around it and using in some cases that community's feedback and conversation to make the next thing. Um, there are myriad ways in which you can do this. One sort of talks about discoverability, um, not to toot our own horn, but using Acast allows you to share a moment of an episode in social media, much the way that SoundCloud allows you to embed a number of different players in a number of different places. Going fishing for an audience, say you have you know a really strong newsletter subscription, or you have a brand because you're somebody who started a podcast because you work on behalf of an organization. What are the assets that organization has to drive people into listening? Is it a YouTube channel? Is it a newsletter like we talked about? Is it a social channel? Getting people to come from one realm into another um, helps a lot with audience lift. Same thing with community, having the conversation back and forth, making people feel like they're involved in your conversation. Um, and then also the idea of using the digital mediums to help pay for your show. You can use a platform like ours to monetize it and we take care of a, lot, a number of those things for you. In some cases, maybe you don't want to give that control over to a platform like ours. So you can go directly to your, uh, your fan base, like a Patreon, um, or asking people for money through some sort of Kickstarter. Again, all are valid. I would say they're not that uh, I would say that they only tend to work on certain types of content um, and come find me and we can chat because I'll be very candid about the pros and cons or a membership Gimlet slate. A number of companies have flirted with this idea of people paying a set fee per month to get content again, all of which basically involves you strategizing about who you think is listening to your show, talking to them and making sure that you're, you are where they want to be, not necessarily driving them to you expand your reach cross-promotion. Okay. There's two ways to do this. One of which is very, very old fashioned and fun. And because I sense that this group is relatively close knit, I think a lot of people here know each other. Uh, if they have shows, if those shows are remotely related, you can do the old fashioned radio thing of you be on my show. I'll be on your show. We'll both talk about each other's show. Everybody wins. However, working at scale allows you to create what we call dynamic cross-promotion. So we use dynamic ad insertion to insert as the name implies ads. We also use it to insert trailers for shows. If you're thinking about expanding your reach outside of Australia, getting, uh, I know my dad wrote a porno, which is an ACAST show is one of the bigger shows here. Um, we cross promote it with actually coming up the heart, uh, a number of shows that are not even on our platform, but are sort of friendly with us because we know that people don't just listen to one podcast and we can do it at scale. So I can say, Hey, between all of the shows that reach women 25 to 40, I know that they will like, uh, 
this new show won by PodQuest, and you're going to meet Phoebe in a second. So how can I cross-promote her show with all of the shows by putting a trailer, a 30-second sort of snippet for the upcoming season, which you're actually going to hear, um, on all of the listens that go through a channel category? That gives you dynamic lift and creates audience. It's pretty powerful. In some cases, we've increased audience size 100%, which means double. Um, And it's all by basically putting uh, the right product, in this case, a 30-second trailer, in the right place in this case, a post-roll from a show that's sort of related. We wanted to talk, um, this was a question, we, we might go straight to IP if we can, because I yeah, know sure. that um, that we do want to get Phoebe up just quickly with Mark. Um, there was a couple of questions uh, as we as we announced that we were going to do this talk today um, from Kate uh, through Audiocraft uh, to, to say, what about IP and um, am I selling out if I give my podcast idea to someone else and what does that mean? And, and Caitlin, I know we've had a lot of discussion around this. It's probably worth talking about that as a point. Um, yep, it is. Um, like I said, Panoply does uh, something called the Pilot Project. WNYC did two competitions, one called the Bake Off. Um, obviously, we're here to talk about PodQuest. Um it's not a matter of selling out. It is selling out, um, and that's okay. You should want to make money for your for your craft. It's just a matter of how you think about um, what is an idea that you want to keep for yourself and not share the IP of. What is something that you're comfortable and you need a co-producer to be able to breathe life into something, and therefore the IP conversation is a little bit different. Um, the way that I would urge you to think about that is essentially what kind of idea do you have? Is this an idea that is going to exist for the next year, but probably become replicable. And I'll use the same example that I did just now. Call Your Girlfriend, a show between two women on different coasts of America, is a show that's highly, highly replicable. They sold some of their IP when they went to a co-production agreement um, because they needed help making it. And it's also an idea that the IP is less valuable in this case because it is a replicable show. If you've got something that you have a book, uh, I used to work with a guy named Stephen Dubner. He wrote a book called Freakonomics. You better believe Stephen Dubner owns the IP to Freakonomics. So he in no way, shape or form would ever sell any of it for him. He wants to turn it into a book, a TV series, a movie pilot, um, multiple other shows. That was the right choice for him. I say this totally neutrally. You can and should sell out at the right moments. It's just a matter of what's an idea that you cannot execute without help, in which case it's worth considering, or what's an idea that you know that might never reach a full commercial potential, or you don't need help to make it reach a full commercial potential. Um, you know, and I think for me, it's again not a question of uh, is this good or bad. It's just more of a question of when. Um, and that leads us to talk about PodQuest. Excellent. So what I will do is I'm going to introduce Mark Hales, who runs podcasting operations for Nova, and also Phoebe, who's just won uh, our uh, last series of, uh, of PodQuest. So welcome them up. Yay. So uh, PodQuest, as we mentioned before, is an initiative uh, launched a couple of months ago to help kickstart the careers of uh, podcasters in Australia, people just like you. We received hundreds of entries uh, from all across the country, a uh, completely different scope of um, type of content. And Phoebe was our um, eventual winner. Now, Phoebe Parsons uh, had a podcast called Confessions of a 20-something Train Wreck. Um, now, before we hear the trailer, which we'll play in a tick, um, First things first, what is the concept behind it and how did you come up with that concept for Confessions of a 20-something train wreck? Just before I start, I'm really sorry, I've got a chest infection. That's why I sound like a teenage boy going through puberty right now. She's a train wreck. Yeah, it's keeping in the theme. Um, So long story short, I am actually a journalist 
um, and I write for a couple of different websites and publications. Um, but obviously you have very specific word limitations when you write, especially for online. You don't really go above 500 words. And when all this crazy stuff kept happening to me, I tried to write it down. But I can't really explain these stories in 500 words. So I thought, why not write a book? So I tried to write a book, but these stories just don't translate into words. You really have to, I guess, hear, and you will hear, the inflection that, anyway, it just does not translate to writing my life at all. So I saw the ad for the podcast competition and I thought, why not, YOLO, let's just try this out. I'd never done a podcast in my entire life, but I gave it a go. And when you, uh, when you recorded it, what sort of equipment did you use to record? Anything super fancy? I used my iPhone. I live in a house with four other 20-something train wrecks and we're too poor to furnish the whole bottom level of our house. So there's literally nothing in it except carpet. So it's got really great acoustics. So I literally just recorded it on my iPhone, sent it away to my friend's boyfriend along with a bottle of rum and he edited it all together for me. So I think I owe him a little bit more now that I've won, but we'll deal with that he later. He doesn't know you've won maybe. No. Um, so when you were announced as the winner of PodQuest, what we did is uh, we worked with Phoebe uh, to develop uh, a trailer for the series to give it a snapshot of what it could sound like. So we didn't have the carpet on the floor, we didn't have an iPhone, we went a little bit more techie. But Phoebe worked with us to um, to develop this trailer. I literally watched you drive on the wrong side of the road. You just kind of <laughs> steered back in to the left lane and kept going. No, right now your lashes are good and so is your hair. Your hair hadn't been touched for like two years. And you used to work at a hair magazine. I'm Phoebe, and that's my friend Lauren. The ride-or-die kind of friend who's witnessed most of my wreckage firsthand. All of you running out of fuel in peak hour traffic in the morning. But you haven't called RACQ. You've Snapchatted the experience from the tunnel. What about when you dated the guy who only slept with you with his shirt on? I think also the toll fines. How much was it? $1,200. It's like the universe just wants to f*** me up. Yeah. Does the universe want to f*** you up? Or do you just like getting f***ed up by the universe? You know, like a you tortured soul who actually enjoys it? Probably. Look, professionally, I have it totally sorted. The fancy degree and my absolute dream job. But my personal life? Oh, it's a train wreck. What is the penalty for not lodging a tax return? And are my friends being a little bit dramatic or is there the possibility that I could go to jail if I haven't filed in a few years? And when I say a few years, I mean five. Yes, there are penalties and they can range up to $900 per tax return for not being lodged. <laughs> so. And the list continues. I have six different super funds. I've maxed a credit card twice. And on a really bad day, I got a tattoo that was inspired by a quote that I saw on Instagram. What was I actually thinking? So I think it's time I turn my mess into my message. Confessions of a 20-something train wreck. Coming soon. So that's uh, Phoebe's trailer for Confessions of a 20-something train wreck. And now we're in the process of uh, developing out a five-episode series. But the things that we heard when we heard uh, Phoebe originally was natural, honest, authentic, and willing to share her real-life experiences and to be completely honest with that, um, and it being an open book. Um, and as she mentioned, her first ever experience with, uh, with podcasts was putting this together for PodQuest. So 
Series 2 for PodQuest is now open. We launched it uh, earlier today. So we've pressed reset and uh, it all starts again. There's uh, what Phoebe won is up again, $5,000 cash to win um, and a $5,000 production and marketing grant. So we'll work with you to develop trailer and a series and also to market that as well and to get your podcast series out there. So if you head to podquest.com.au, blatant plug, um, send us an episode one of a new concept, whatever you have on your mind, send an existing podcast, maybe on SoundCloud, wherever. Just get involved. It's all there for you to check out, and uh, we look forward to hearing it. And thanks, Phoebe, for getting involved with PodQuest Series 1. Thank you for taking a chance on the train ride. Any questions? Okay, one. Yes. Thank you. Um, I was just curious um, when you were talking about those different levels of um, dynamic ad placement, sponsorship, etc. what are the listenership numbers you're talking about at each of those tiers that you would probably expect? So I wouldn't necessarily categorize them by tier. I would categorize them more by sort of advertiser appeal. So typically um, smaller shows don't get as pr- approached as much for, by sponsors just because sponsors want a larger reach. Whereas we can say, Hey, Jaguar, you want to reach people who are curious thinkers. Here's a uh, hundred thousand people split up between however many shows, one show, 10 shows, five shows. They don't care. They're reaching a hundred thousand people. And so if your show is small, you can still sort of participate in that ad relationship. Um, in the case, the one sort of difference I would say, um, is if your show is extremely niche, um, even if it doesn't reach a ton of people, it might re- reach the right people. Megan Tan was talking a little bit about this this morning. And it's totally true. So I work with one show that's a camping show. REI doesn't want 100,000 people who are curious thinkers. They want the 5,000 people who listen to the camping show for reasons that you can probably imagine. The other thing that we didn't really touch on a little bit, but I want to make sure you leave here knowing about, is essentially what's called a brand story. It's a little bit different from what Jay was talking about with a brand, a branded podcast, because we nest these advertisements at scale inside a show. So what I would actually try to sell REI is a sponsorship that is in the voice of the camping show host, but it's one that is like a mini documentary that's beautiful, that's well-made. You hear, you know, twigs crunching underneath. And then sure, it's made by these people who make the camping show have credibility, but then sold across a ton of different shows so that, yeah, they're reaching the camping fanatics who are listening to that show. But that same show is reaching through this advertisement, what we call a brand story, all those curious thinkers. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. So the camp, so REI gets a huge reach, but it also gets that authenticity, authenticity through the brand story that this uh, particular show host is creating for them. Um, so you don't have to be necessarily big is the, is the answer. Oof, very quick question. Got a quick question about uh, dynamic insertion. Like how, um, how does it work? Because I would imagine that where you build your brakes is actually where you start to build your own tension and you can um, make it part of the show. So if a third party is going to be inserting ads into your podcast, mm-hmm. what control have you got over that? And being yeah. just at the front and at the back, that's a bit predict- predictable. Sure. Yeah, um, I can answer this very quickly. Um, the way we do it is we have a movable marker that you set yourself. So one episode, the tension happens 10 minutes in, right before it releases, that's where you put your ad. The next episode, it happens 18 minutes in, that's where you put your ad marker. Um, so for us, and I think this is pretty similar across all technology, it doesn't necessarily mean to be like, at 13 and a half minutes, you better have something to wrap up and then tease to the next second half of the show, uh, which is nice because it basically gives the, the creator ultimate control. That was Jay Walkerton from Nova and Caitlin Thompson from Acast talking at the Audio Craft Conference. 
This session was recorded on the day by ABCRN and Beck Fari is the producer of this podcast. Music by James Milsom. Subscribe to the podcast to hear more and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and sign up to our newsletter at audiocraft.com.au.